Thank you. Go that way. <laughs> so um, today is about prayer. Do you remember these? I was carrying this down the stairs. I kept hearing a bell. I'm like, what is that bell? And it's this. Anyway, old style phone uh, compared to new style phone, cell phone. And uh, we, we it, thanks to my wife, she was able to find this for me. Uh, these were hard to come by, and we couldn't get a cord. So it's kind of like a cordless phone, but not really. Uh, anyway, it's... <coughs> The, the depiction I want to show you here is because this, these are tethered to home. You know, remember the days where if you had to make a call, you had to get, uh, you know, you needed a landline. You either needed a pay phone or you needed to go home. Uh, if you weren't home, no one could uh, contact you. So, uh, yeah. So, anyway, but now, of course, we have these and satellite connected and we're connected all over the world pretty much by now. Uh, and yet, even though we have these with us all the time, we don't always appreciate them or like them, right? Because anybody can call you at any time and they could say, hey, why didn't you pick up? And you don't want, you know, if you're going to be honest, I didn't want to talk to you, you know. Uh, but, you know, we almost at times wish that we didn't have it. Um, <clears throat> today is about prayer. And... Prayer is a line to God, and it's not this line. In other words, this is limited, right? That's why we left it. It's limited. I could use the excuse that, you know, I'm not in the right place to pray right now. Uh, I'm not in the right location. I'm too busy. I'm not where I, you know, where prayer is possible or something. We make up all kinds of excuses why, uh, if we're not legitimately praying the way we should, which is what we're going to see today, is God wants us to use these with him and pray continually. Now, we'll see what continually means. It doesn't mean every single second. But, you know, uh, at times, just like when we don't want to use these to talk to people, Oftentimes, we don't want to talk to God either, you know, and he's calling. You can almost feel it. He's nagging you, and we're saying, no, put it away, put it on do not disturb or something like that. Today, we look at the commandment. It's a commandment, pray without ceasing, and God is revealing himself to you as someone that you should really desire to talk to about everything, and in fact, as we'll see, ask him about everything. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, he's breaking through our flesh's desire for isolation. We desire this. Our flesh desires isolation. And God is breaking through that by showing himself to us, by not getting us to say, well, you know, I should pray because, you know, it's my duty, uh, it's commanded, but God is trying to break through to each of us to get us to see that we we need to speak to him. We need to ask him about everything. 
And I do mean ask. We need to ask him about everything. And if people say, well, you know, that's silly. Uh, you know, I, I looked at the menu for lunch, and I was like, well, God, what would you have me eat? You know, of course, we're not being silly here, but we could ask, um, you know, what, I don't know, what diet should I eat, Father, to be a little more energetic for you? Or, uh, you know, what, <clears throat> but more more so than that, and, and, you know, there's more, way more important things than that, but that in each thought that we have every day, there's a divine will for that. And we're citizens of heaven, and home is far away. It's very far. And so he wants us to stay in contact with him in heaven because that's where we really live. And we can get very caught up here on earth about all kinds of things that don't matter. Citizens of heaven living far from home, having to be in consistent communication with our Father through his Son and filled with his Spirit. Without asking the Father explicitly, we will at some level lie to ourselves about our true desires. If we're not asking the Father specifically and persistently and believingly for our desires, then we're hiding something. I guarantee it. I do. In studying for this, I found plenty of places in my own soul just yesterday and today where I'm you know, I, maybe I don't want God to walk in those areas of my soul. If I'm asking him explicitly for things, then I'm revealing my will to him. If I'm not, then I don't want him bothering with that, whatever it is. So therefore, we hide something from God, at least we think we are, and then what we do is we portray ourselves to others as this faithful, um, you know, diligent, obedient Christian. And the problem is, the problem isn't that you may fool others or I may fool others, is that we may fool ourselves over time. And then decades go by and you've done nothing but waste time. You've done nothing but live in the world the way the world lives. And you never ask the Father for really that much. And we say, well, hold on now, Pastor. The Father knows everything that I need. He doesn't need me to ask him. That is correct. He doesn't. He doesn't need you to ask him. He knows all about it. He knows exactly what you need. And yet passage after passage after passage in the Scripture tell us, ask. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the doors will be open. Jesus tells us two parables, persistent widow and persistent neighbor. What is that about? He says, keep asking. I'm going to see the real reason for that today. A great question we there, all of us, have to answer is why are we hiding from God? Why are we hiding? Why are we not asking him for our true desires? And I'm going to tell you today that you sh- I personally, I'll say it this way, I personally believe that you should go to your father with all of your desires. Father, I desire to sleep with that woman. 
I said, well, wait a minute. Don't tell God that like he doesn't know. Father, I desire to get drunk. Father, I desire to, <clears throat> you know, I desire to do my own thing right now and not the work that I can plainly see that you've put in front of me to do. Why would we do that? Because what you're doing is, and see, this is my answer to why he tells us to ask him. You're bringing your very will into this light. You know, you're bringing your will into the light. Jesus said in John 3, the darkness hates the light, they flee from the light. Well, you know what, Father, I'm going to bring my real desires to you, and when you shine on them, and remember, this is prayer that's, you go in your inner room, and you're, you're with him alone, and it's you and him. And you bring those desires to him, and he shines his holiness on them. And how dumb are you if you think you're going to lie to God? And you know that you can't. And he reveals. And see, this that can be, and it will be, the beginning of healing and the beginning of change. If I'm lying to myself, and I can do it for a long time, then I'm never going to change. And all of us need to. Are you at the heights of spiritual maturity? I hope you are, really, but I'm not. I know you're not. That's not an insult. Because <laughs> I know that none of us are going to be until we get to heaven anyway. So all of us have constant change, which is what makes life really uh, a journey and an adventure and exciting. But in all journeys and adventures, there's really hard times to overcome. And God allows it. He's done it on purpose. So he says to us, pray. It's a command. Pray without ceasing. In this passage, you can go to 1 Thessalonians 5. It's our main passage in verse 16. 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is God's will. By the way, will is singular. And so the singular noun would refer to all three. Rejoice always. And, and I'll remind that Paul puts always first. So in Paul's word order, we have always rejoice without ceasing pray and in everything give thanks. He's emphasizing the persistence, the consistency. That's what he's emphasizing. Anybody can rejoice a moment here and a moment there. Anybody can pray a moment here and a moment there. Anybody can really actually be very thankful a moment here and a moment there. But who has it consistently? And those who do, this thankfulness, joyfulness, and prayerfulness is the core of who they really are. And that's where God wants us. That's where he's pushing us all. And we fight him. Every time I bang my pulpit, I hear the bell ring from the phone. We fight him, and yet our loving Father keeps at us, keeps pinching, keeps poking, keeps prodding, keeps hitting you. So funny, uh, Chris found this on the free page, because we couldn't find one in the local the stores. And uh, she finds it in the free page, and she told the, the mom 
that she got it from. There's a free page in Dallas. You go on there, the people are giving away free stuff. It's not like Lamborghinis and stuff. I, <laughs> I checked. I checked. I'm like, where's the pricey cars? There are none. You get stuff like this, right? So uh, she, uh, Chris said to the mom, she was like, do you want us to give it back to you when we're done? We're just using it for an illustration. She says, no, 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 keep it. And then my kids will stop hitting each other with the thing. So I'm just picturing, you know, a couple of little brothers going, hey, there's a call for you, and bam! That's just what me and my brothers would do. You know, one thing I truly miss, which you can't do with these, is when you finally get done with a conversation and you're so mad, you right? You can't do that with these. All you can do is, like, really forcefully, like, push a finger. It's not the same. That's why the world's so angry. We need outlets. Technology. Technology's taking away our outlets. If we're not in constant communication with our Father, how are we going to be these things all the time? That's what Paul is emphasizing. He's not saying, hey, you should pray. He's saying, pray all the time. And, you know, I, I know at core, some of us want to say, but yeah, but that's you. You're an apostle. Of course you have to pray. You've got a lot of work to do for God. You better hurry up, you know. And But for us, why not? Why not? And that's we have to ask ourselves. We're going to try and answer it today. Why does God tell us to ask him? He already knows. Why doesn't he just do it? He knows what we want. And I do mean, now, if it's an illegitimate desire, there's an, there's an obvious answer for that. You know, God, why don't you make me a billionaire? Because you're an idiot, okay? So no. Uh, but when it comes to his will, it's something in his will. Why doesn't he just do it? Why does he always tell us to ask? This passage gets to how we always feel. Rejoice always. How do you always feel? This is something that all of us need to self-evaluate. How do you always feel? What do we do consistently? And how do we respond? What do we do consistently is prayer and communicate with our Father. And how do we respond to everything that happens to us? With gratitude or with bitterness or something else? And what we're after today is that middle one. What? do we consistently want? The phrase or the word without ceasing is adileptos. Adileptos is uh, it's a fun little word. I love how Greek uses compound words. English does too. But this is leptos, L-E-I-P-T-O-S that you see on the end, means to leave behind. And the A in front of it means to not leave behind. So the A makes it negative. And dia is a preposition that means through. So you have a, not, dia, through, leave behind. And all of that comes to mean that every occasion that I have the ability to pray, that I should pray, I don't leave it behind. And I, I like leave behind, right, it's something like, oh, you know, you find something on the ground that's valuable and you just walk right by it. 
And this, that's what this means. You have, here comes your opportunity to pray where you should, you should ask, you should seek. And you're like, ah, nah, too busy, too this, too that, too distracted. And we don't do it. And then we violate this. We, that's exactly violating this command. Yet another sin in the scripture. <clears throat> Paul in this letter has already used this word twice just to get a little context to it. Uh, and so look at 1 Thessalonians 1, 2. Just to get the idea of this word, not leaving, this word does not mean an unbroken continuity. So that's what people say. Some people say like, uh, uh, you know, pray without ceasing means that you're constantly praying to God every minute of every waking hour, and that's not true. You'll see it, and that's why we want to go to these contexts. 1 Thessalonians 1-2 says, We give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. See, in verse 3 where it says constantly bearing in mind, that's this word. Now, is Paul every moment of every waking hour thinking about how the Thessalonians have faith, hope, and love? No, he's not. Right, but it's consistent, and that's what the word means. Go to uh, chapter 2, 13. 2, 13. Paul uses it again. For this reason, we constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God. Constantly thanking God for the Thessalonians that they accepted the word of God as from God. He's not doing that every single second. It's consistent. So we would say, therefore, pray without missing any opportunity. But then we say, well, wait a minute. What's my opportunity? And I have an expanded uh, translation here that would not fit in any translation but because it, it's too long. But uh, pray without missing your, and I just thought of every single and there's more, right? Of course. When would I pray? Your morning and evening prayers. Your closed door prayers, which are probably your morning and evening prayers. Your flare prayers from anywhere. All through the day. Father, I need you right now. My thoughts are going astray. Uh, I need to talk to this person properly. I feel the bitterness coming on. Right? Why, why aren't we asking him? We know it's not, and it's not silly things like he's too busy and he's listening to too many people or, or he doesn't care. Is that true? That's not remotely true. He cares about everything concerning us. Why aren't we doing it? We need to. Your prayers for other. They asked you yesterday, hey, could you pray for me for this? Yeah, sure. Of course I will. Out it goes, out of your thoughts, and you never did. And then they ask, you know, uh, by the way, did you pray for my mom? I said, of course, of course I did. I'm not going to be honest with you and say, uh, no, I blew it off. Praying for others, including your enemies, the prayers that someone asked you to pray for yesterday, your prayerful meditation time with thankfulness, and all of this daily. We've got a lot to talk to the Father about, which is what prayer is. It's speaking to the Father. You know, in the old in in the Old Testament and throughout the Gospels, before this dispensation came in, 
when people were indwelt by the Spirit and could approach the throne of grace with boldness at any time from anywhere because we're all priests. So that's the next thing we're going to look at this is God has made us a kingdom of priests. That's what we are. And in the Old Testament, they had, you know, rehearsed prayers that they said over and over again, which is the way that was fine. And they prayed certain psalms, and we looked, when we studied prayer, we saw that, that there are marvelous psalms. If I, we'll, we'll see some more before we finish this subject. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, that now what we have is this privilege as priests to speak to God about everything. God doesn't tell us how many times to pray every day, but the idea of continuity and consistency are frequently there. There's a couple of passages in the notes there that I'm going to bypass for now but because of time. But for 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul said, I constantly remember you in my prayers day and night. In Romans, in the opening of Romans, he says, I always in my prayers make requests. And that's the same word, I always, I constantly. It doesn't mean he's praying every single moment for the Romans. It means that he is consistently, and he's not missing the opportunities. Still, some of us don't like prayer. We see it as a job rather than actually asking the Almighty Father for solutions and help when we need them for the healing of our souls and our bodies. This doesn't reveal our attitude towards prayer. It doesn't. None of, those of us who don't, and I say us, I mean all of us who don't pray enough, that uh, it's not that we disagree with the concept of prayer. It's not that we think that we're not truly in communication with the Father. It's not that either. It actually gets truly to why Jesus asked us to ask. Asking gets to your desire especially that which you ask for persistently. It gets to your desire. I, I'm, I'm always, I, I thank God, Chris, that you're watching all these little kids now because I have great fodder for my services because when I think of persistent asking because of desire, I think of these little four, five, and six-year-olds that Chris is with, and they're, <laughs> you know, here you are, you're on the phone. When, you're not on that phone anymore. You're on the phone with somebody and they're like, Chris, 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 Chris. Can you see them on the phone? Chris, Chris, Chris. <laughs> they want what they want and they're not going to stop until they get it. I'm surprised that Jesus didn't use a parable like that. <laughs> there was this little brat who wanted a cookie or something and he was like, Mom, 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 Mom. But yet we have the parable of that widow who wouldn't leave the judge alone. The guy who wanted bread in the middle of the night. Knocking, 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 knocking. Fine. You know, stop. And God says, Jesus says right in there, I want you to pray like this. And we scratch our heads being like, are you forgetful? Are you resistant? And the answer is no. What we get at here is a much more deeper issue. It's desire. What do you really want? Because if you really wanted it, you'd keep asking for it. 
And that's what he's showing to us. He's showing to us desire. In the end, we do what we want to do. And if we see that we want what we want to do is independent from God and has no part with his will, and we persist after it, it's destructive, isn't it? To us and to others, and we find out a clear view of our desire, especially when we bring that to God. If there's something we want that we persist after that's not a part of God's will, and though we know it's not God's will, we still continue after it, what does that show you about your desire? Now, you can fix that if you want. There's plenty of people, and I I think Christians included, who don't want to fix that. And that's between you and God, not me. I spent too many years after things that I shouldn't have been after. Too many. I can't go back and take those years back. But man, oh man, if you've been delivered from something that was in the pursuit of not God's will, and you know you've been delivered, and you've seen the light, and your relationship with God has gotten that much closer, do you want to go back to what you've been delivered from? What, to get farther away from God? To pray less, to be less happy, to less, be less confident and less you as God made you to be? So our theme today is God wants us to ask him and thus express our true desires. That's how I put the genie in the lamp. You have three wishes. It was always a fun thing to ask. All right, everybody, you know, if you're sitting around at a table or a party or something, you're like, what? If you had three wishes, what were they, what would they be? Or if you're stranded on an island, what three things would you bring? And you know, why are those fun questions? Because it gets to our desire. Uh, God has given you way more than three wishes. Way more. Yes, it's open to us. The throne of God is open to the royal priest. Christians sometimes fool themselves, however, into thinking they're praying when they're not. Prayer has to be clear. It has to be precise. Uh, What sometimes we think we're praying is when we get a stray thought, and we kind of let it go up to heaven, and we're like, you know, it's a passing thing without much concentration. And we think, yeah, we've prayed. We really haven't. Because as we'll see here with our good friend Bartimaeus coming up, that it has to be, it should be specific. Specific in terms of God. God's going to say, what do you really want? Uh, I want to be happy. Okay, we can do that. But what do you really want? I want to be happy. Yeah, but what you think is going to make you happy is not what I know is going to make you happy. So let's ask again, what do you really want? Uh Kind of paint me into a corner here, God. Uh, yeah, exactly. Because I'm getting to the heart of your desire. Everybody wants to be happy, by the way. Everybody wants to be fulfilled. Everybody wants to have a grand purpose and do great things. I know that. What do you really want? And he forces us to answer in specifics. And that's what prayer is. God wants us to ask. Now go to Mark, Gospel of Mark, chapter 10. 
And we're going to meet this blind beggar by the name of Bartimaeus. Don't use the excuse that, well, oh, God, I can't ask right now. My phone's at home. I love the bell here. I missed that. Or, or you know, I don't have enough bars. <laughs> you know, I'm not in a place that I can really pray to you. Uh, you know, I can't pray to you like right here. There are people around. Really? Have you ever been in mid-conversation and say, wow, I need to shoot up a flare prayer right now to God while you're, you know, keep your eyes on them. But And I can only do one thing at a time, so it's it can be embarrassing where, you know, people say, are you paying attention to me? I'm like, no, not really. Uh, I'm talking to the Lord. Here's a blind beggar named Bartimaeus. Uh, 1046. Then they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples in a large crowd, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. When he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he kept crying out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him here. So they called the blind man and sang to him, Take courage, stand up, he's calling you. Throwing aside his cloak, he jumped up and came to Jesus. And answering him, Jesus said, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, I want you to regain my I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. And immediately he gained his sight and began to follow him on the road without help this time. So first we hear Bartimaeus is addressed to Jesus as the son of David. That means that Bartimaeus believed. That's a title. Coming from a Jew, that means he believes that Jesus is the promised Messiah to Israel. But he must have been pretty obnoxious about it. Because everybody around him is telling him to shut up, quiet down. But he does something that many wouldn't. He says it all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. It must have been because there's a lot of people around Jesus. Jesus finally hears him. If this guy doesn't persist, then Jesus doesn't hear him. Bartimaeus gets his attention. Jesus commands him to come here. The crowd changes their tune. Instead of shut up, they're like, all right, come on. What are you waiting for? Get up. This poor guy. And he can't believe it. He has an audience with the Messiah. He throws off his cloak, which to a blind beggar is the only piece of material he owns. When I say that, I mean house or anything. He sleeps under that thing. That's why there was a law in the Old Testament that if someone owed you money and they were poor, you couldn't take their cloak as collateral. And if you did, you had to return it before nightfall. The reason being, because that's what they slept in. This guy throws it off, jumps up, and runs to Jesus the wrong way. Because he's blind. I thought that was going to land hard. That was was a good joke, I thought. But anyway... I wrote that joke into my notes. I'm like, oh, that's going to bring the house down. Um, apparently not. That's not your... I blame myself. I blame... Not you. I blame myself. 
So he's led to Jesus. And then comes the real crux of this passage. You could mention a lot of things of this passage, but the real crux of it, what do you want me to do? He doesn't see that Bartimaeus is blind. Like He's going up to him like this, Jesus, where are you? You don't see that he's blind. Of course he does. He's the son of God. He reads people's thoughts. He knows what this man wants. But what did the man ask for? Have mercy on me. Well, what do you really want? What does have mercy on you mean? Ask me. Ask me specifically what you want. And we can do this to God all day. Because our wants and desires change like the wind. Here and all day, we have many wants and many desires. Our, do you want, if you want your life to be truly wonderful and fruitful, every one of those desires be in line with God's will. In your life, I guarantee it will be beyond anything you could have ever imagined. That's what he promises, and I know it to be true. <clears throat> Jesus replies, what do you really want? What do you want me to do for you? Rabbi, I want to regain my sight. And then Jesus says, your faith has made you well. God wants us to ask. Why does God want us to ask specifically? Asking expresses desire. That's not coming up? I hope I messed up my slides. That's okay. Asking asking in faith expresses desire. Let me ask you this. It's a great question, which uh, was posed to me in a book. Uh, there's a book I'm reading that one character says to the other this very question. What is the ultimate reason that the Son of God came to the earth? And uh, in, the, in the book, the, the man doesn't really answer this. But, of course, it, makes, it made me want to answer it. What is the ultimate reason that the Son of God came to earth? Now, I want you all to think about that and come up with an answer in your own mind. I won't ask you to offer it because I'm not going to be up here telling anybody, well, that's wrong or that's right. But if you think, why did the Son of Man... Now, the key word here is ultimately. Why did he ultimately come to earth? And if you're like me, and I think many go this way, that we answer, well, he came to save me. And then then we think, well, that's kind of selfish, right? So he came to save us. But is that really the ultimate answer? Jesus said in, in Hebrews 10, written of him, he said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. In the Old Testament prophets. Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. (coughs) Why does this answer help us so wonderfully as opposed to the general answer, he came to save us? In fact, in this case, we're we're leaving the specific and going back to the more general. It's... He came to save us, yes. I've come to seek and to save those who are lost. 
But ultimately, he came because it was the will of his Father. And what does this mean to us? It means that ultimately, that if we're going to truly find life, as Jesus said, abundant life, that we've got to do it not because we understand everything, but because it is the Father's will. His authority tells me, as my Father, my Savior, my Lord who loves me, He says to do it. I don't think any of us are going to really know the benefits of praying without ceasing until we do it. We could talk about it here. You could you could get and as I have been more excited to pray without ceasing, but if we don't do it, you know, class time is over, we go about our lives and it's long gone. On to the next thing. If we're not taking advantage of it, we won't know what it really is. And so why should we do it ultimately? Because the Father willed us to. And what he wills is marvelous. Always. The world is in the shape it is because mankind has expressed his desire not to want God. God is put forth to all people. Like it says at the end of the book of Joshua, Joshua says, you know, here you can either worship the Lord or not worship the Lord. He said, me and my household, we're going to worship the Lord. Either worship him or don't worship him. But don't say you're worshiping the Lord and then worshiping Baal at the same time. Right? Make up your mind. Either worship him or don't. And people don't. And that's between... My slides out of order. Why did I have? Oh, that's why. So God wants us to ask persistent, specifically. There it is. That's right. Okay, now I've got it. And asking in faith expresses desire. Our, when we ask a specific thing, we're expressing our desire. Moment by moment we do this, express our desire. We dream of the way things could be. We dream of the way things could be in the next five minutes. That doesn't have to be a future dream. We pursue things because we want them. And this we consistently do all day. But what if we're, as the scripture says, that we can be like children tossed here and there by waves. Our desires are here and there and everywhere. And the reason why they're all over the place is because we have not, at the core of us, committed ourselves to a central will. And if your will is yourself, self is fickle. And so I would say, well, I do have a core will. It is self-pleasure. And I have lived many years like that. And what happens when you have self-pleasure as your will, the foundation of your will, that when self, self changes its mind and it constantly from one thing to the next to the next to the next, and none of these things satisfy because they're all at base sinful and they don't fulfill what they promise that they will. And so we keep jumping on one foot to the next trying to find the next thing. And what we don't have is a core will. And then God says, ask me. So I could go, I say, God, I, I want 
pleasure. Okay. What you know? What specifically is going to give you pleasure? Is pleasure wrong? No, not at all. We're not a, the Christianity is not asceticism. But what do you really want? And see, he makes us get specific. Then, like Bartimaeus, God wants us to be persistent. Persistently desiring one day and not the next is an ungrounded desire. All of us have gone through, I desire God very much today, and then tomorrow I desire myself or something else. Uh, That can happen within an hour, that I desire God this morning and something else later on. And that's why this persistency of Bartimaeus is so important. The people are telling him to shut up. Our own thoughts tell us, don't bother praying so much, it's weird. Don't pray, don't ask him about everything, that makes you a weirdo or something, I don't know. And that's kind of like the crowd around Bartimaeus saying, shut up, shut up, you're annoying, you're obnoxious. But then Jesus tells us to be obnoxious, not, not, you know, not to people, but to, in prayer. That widow is pretty obnoxious. The guy, the neighbor is obnoxious. So our will must be woven into who we are, and a wavering will is not a foundation. We kind of like is, you know, and a bad one. So a wavering will is not a foundation, but a bad foundation is also not a foundation because it's wrong. Uh, Bad foundations always fall apart. That's why, you know, nations always fall apart. Kingdoms always fall apart because their foundation cannot be. Even Israel, who was God's nation, fell apart because they didn't make God their foundation. And so the nation fell apart. The same thing happens with our souls. If God is not our foundation, if our foundation is something that is apart from him, then our foundation is not solid, and then we get tossed around. Being tossed around by desires, inclinations, thoughts, false things, even at times right things. And so we're in fellowship with God, and then for times we're not. And all of, you know... I guess I would say if if we wanted that, then we get what we want. And I, this is what Jesus is getting at. And what really Paul is getting at when he says uh, pray without ceasing is God is forcing us to confront our desires. What do you really want? What we ask for persistently reveals our expressed and deep-seated will. It is the same request, and it is in accord. But if, sorry, it is the same request, and it's in accordance with God will, God's will. It means that your foundation is solidly God. It means that God's will is a part of your very fabric. If what you keep asking, see what we we wondered, Jesus, why do you ask us? Tell us about this widow as it as it opens. He was telling in Luke eighteen one. Now, he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, in a certain city was a judge and there was a widow who kept nagging him. Summarizing. This is how you should pray and not lose heart. And he's emphasized repetitive, repetitive, asking, asking. And we say, well, why is God, who is omniscient, wanting me to ask for the same things over and over? And it's because it gets truly to our desire. 
if what you're asking, if what you're seeking for, and meaning not like I have this stray thought that is God's will, you see that, right, God? He's like, no, that's not what I want. I want you in prayer, verbally from your mind or speaking it, ask me what you want. What do you want me to do for you? And by doing this specifically, repetitively, we're not throwing out vague things. I want to be happy. I want to be blessed. Or as Bartimaeus, I want God to be merciful to me. Right, we all want that. We all want those things. What are you really after? And the Lord, like I said, paints us into a corner here. What do you want me to do for you? Do you want something that is not my will? Would you specifically ask the Holy Father for something unholy? And I would say, you know, <laughs> if you're not in the manner of, it would be idiotic for someone to say, you know, I want this unholy thing, God, and I expect it, right, from you. Like, that is ridiculously stupid. We, if we brought our even uh, unholy thoughts to God and said, look, this is what I really desire. I know you can see it, but now I'm saying it to you. This is what I really want. I know it ain't your will. But I'm tired of fighting it. I'm tired of being unhappy. I'm tired of being tossed here and there by waves. I'm tired of being content one minute and not content the next. This thing you command me to rejoice always, I really want that. Who wouldn't? But God says, don't wait for heaven to get it. So ask me. What do you want? And man, oh man, if, that, if the Lord were right here saying, no, and you kept giving him vague things, I want to be happy, I want to be healthy, I want to be this, I want to be that, I'd be like, uh, 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 uh. tell me specifically what you want. Boy, it'd be like, well, geez, you know what? You'd have to pause quite a bit, probably. Finally, what the Lord said to Bartimaeus was that your faith healed you. This he says constantly throughout the Gospels. You asked in faith, and so it was. He wants us to ask believingly. That's the third thing. So ask specifically, ask persistently, ask believingly. Asking believingly is worshiping God. Worshiping God is an expression of faith in the fact that, Father, you will do this. That is trust. That is worship. Father, you love me, so you will do this. You're worshiping God for his love and for his ability, for his power. And then... See, if we're like Bartimaeus gets his sight back immediately, that's just awesome. We ask God for stuff, and we're like, um, and God's like, I'll call you back. Well, like, when? When do I get the answer? Uh, I'll call you back. 
when are you going to call me back? Here's what God, he says it all throughout his word. In a little while. Oh, sweet. A little while. What's that mean? Probably five minutes from now. Then five minutes go by. Oh, he's going to call me back today, right? No. How about this week? Believingly means patiently. And this it gets right to the core, and it, it just shows us also one of the one of the reasons, I can't say I know all the reasons, but one of the reasons why God makes us wait. If everything we asked for was immediately delivered. I'll get back to the little kids again. That's why they keep asking. They keep getting it. See, during the day, we don't watch the kids. They don't watch TV at our house. We won't let them. So all these kids who get to watch TV at their house, they come to our house, and they're like, hey, can you turn on the TV? They don't sound like that, but... Pick your with my finger up my nose. Hey, can you turn on the TV? Don't touch anything in my house. And we say no. That's, they see the Xbox there. Hey, can we play video games? Uh, no. Uh, next day. Next day. Turn it on. Turn it on. Eventually, they stop asking. If we got everything we wanted immediately, we wouldn't get past six years old spiritually. God makes us wait. God makes us wait. Now, I don't know all the, you know, God's got a, a 10 billion trillion balls in the air that he's juggling everybody's life. So in certain cases, he's making you wait, in my opinion, that because he's doing something else with somebody else and you're in that mix and who knows. We put that in his hands. But faith means that we're willing to wait for his perfect way in the answer. Ask me, what do you want me to do? I want you to heal this. I will do it, but uh, in my time. You know, waiting is trust. We see the Exodus generation is a perfect example. They're at the Red Sea. Right? They're freaking out. Moses said, stand still, see the deliverance of the Lord. That believing and worshiping God is waiting on God. It's an expression. Therefore, waiting in faith is an expression of a desire that if I ask him and he doesn't deliver in 30 seconds, I'm going to run off somewhere else that is outside of his will and try and get what I want. I'm going to go to the world of the flesh or whatever to get what I want. I asked you, God, I waited 10 seconds, you didn't give it, so I'm going to go somewhere else. And that is God saying, well, believer, where, where's your desire really? Do you want me, your creator, your savior, your lover? Do you want me? Or is it really do you want the satisfaction of something, something else outside of me? And God builds in us this ability. And it takes time, obviously. It's maturing as a process where we become persistently happy, consistently prayerful, and loving prayer. It's not a burden or a duty. And uh, thankful for everything. 
We all have plenty of time to do it, meaning prayer. I'll have plenty of time. That's another, it's just another excuse. I, I use it too much myself. It's ridiculous. We have plenty of time. Now, at times I'll be like, I've got a message to get ready for such and such a time. I've got these assignments to get ready. Think I'll be very grateful when this semester's over. I took on a little too much again, but whatever. And, uh, you know, and I'll think to myself, well, I've got to get this done, I've got to get this done, and i got all the timing worked out. And, and then, it, I don't know, it was the Holy Spirit or something kind of slaps you across the soul and says, are, are you, why don't you pray for guidance? And, and, by the way, to have fun doing this. But I can't have fun. I'm too busy. Rejoice always? What? You've got to do it anyway, right? Either do it with a joyful heart as unto the Lord, and whatever don't get done, don't get done. It's not like you're going to be up in heaven saying, well, I didn't weed the garden. <laughs> I don't know why I thought of that. I missed that assignment. I meant to clean the house before I get raptured. Oh, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> People walk into your house and they're like, wow, Christians are disgusting. <laughs> you have plenty of time. Plenty of time. Take the time out. It's another thing. It, it, it gets, it, all of this gets to desire. You know, do I... I have so much to do, but I would rather spend 10 minutes alone with my father and then get to it. It gets the desire. <clears throat> Ask and you will receive. Pick up the phone frequently and be honest. Persist and believe. Worship the God who loves you and saved you and gave your life, gave his life for you. We are citizens of heaven, and we're far from home. So very far. We must ask the Father in heaven to make sure that our desires here on earth are always lined up with his. Because his desire is the only one that matters. He's the only self-existent one. Everything else, every other desire in this world is a desire that has come from a fallen creature. That desire is, first off, not eternal, nor is it good. Staying in communication with our home, our Father in heaven, to find His desire, His will, His wisdom and understanding in everything. And then we will be a light of heaven in a dark world. And there's a super added bonus to this, which is called a reward is that you will enlighten other people. You have the power through prayer to help and change another person's life. It will only be done in a good way. And say, Father, kill them. Uh, that's not going to work. Father, destroy them. Father, make them hurt. <laughs> Those imprecatory prayers from the Psalms. Are, you, know, you can try them out, see what God says. But we have the ability to change people's lives in our own lives through a consistent communication. Again, asking specifically. Be specific. And learn about your desires. Be specific, be persistent, and be believing. Let's pray.
We thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you that through your word we learn eternal truths. The eternal truth of praying to you on a consistent basis is something that is life-changing and also, Father, just the wonderful ability to never be lonely because we always have you, to never be despairing because we have you, and though we are pressured and under trial at times and suffering, we always have you, and because of you, we are never alone. So we thank you, Father, for your word that teaches us and uh, how to pray, and for your Son, who made us priests through his sacrifice, so that we can pray from anywhere at any time. We thank you, Father, in Christ's name. Amen. All right, we'll take our offering right now. I'm selling a phone for, how much do you want for it, Chris? Let's pray for our offering. We thank you, Father, for the ability to give, and we give to you as your believer priests. We do so in worship of you, another way of trusting. We trust, Father, that you will magnify our gifts and produce in us a heart of thanksgiving and gratitude. We ask your blessing upon this offering in Christ's name. Amen. I like that fiddle in that song. Let's close in prayer. Thank you, Father, for our gathering, and thank you for the gift of church. We have a place to gather together as your royal family and be together, fellowship with one another, and to use our spiritual gifts towards one another. We thank you, Father, that you have provided a family on earth that is eternal. And uh, for the closing moments of our service is dedicated to anyone who is not a part of that family. If you are... or have not believed in Christ as your Savior. Now is your time to truly uh, gain eternal life through Christ. You gain it. He worked for it. You do not have to work for it. He died on the cross on behalf of your sins. He uh, then raised again on the third day, and He is resurrected and ascended into heaven. Jesus Christ, through His resurrection, showed absolutely that His sacrifice on the cross was real, and that it paid for your sins. There's no other Savior under heaven who has done that. There is no other sa- there's no other Savior, period. So believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You will be saved. We thank you, Father. Thank you for all things. In Christ's name, amen. <clears throat>